The following sermon is from Faith Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Join us on Sundays for our 8.15 and 11 a.m. worship services. For more information, visit us online at faith-pca.org. Good evening. My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at our church. I want to welcome you this evening, this Christmas Eve evening, uh, whether you've this is the first time you've stepped foot in this building, or whether you've been coming to church here for years, I want to welcome you and wish you a very Merry Christmas. Uh, for the homily this evening, it'll be about 45 minutes to an hour, so get comfortable. I'm kidding. Um, now we're going to just simply look. I won't read the passage again. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2. It's in the bulletin. I'll be referring to a couple of verses, and so you can just open up your bulletin, uh, and you can follow along as I point out a couple of verses. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret this evening. You ready for a pastor's or ministry secret? This might be shocking to some of you, but pastors have a hard time with Christmas sermons. Uh, they sit in front of their computers and they say, what can I possibly say this year than I haven't already said before? And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, how can we say something meaningful when it's been said a billion times over the last 2,000 years, and there's really nothing else to say? And so as I was preparing, as I was sitting in front of my computer thinking, what can I possibly say this year that I haven't already said before? I had that moment, and over and over, this is the Holy Spirit, okay, because the Holy Spirit's job is to shine this. He has other jobs, but one of his jobs is to shine the spotlight on Jesus or on the gospel. And over and over, here's what kept coming to my mind and heart. Just preach the gospel. Just tell the old, old story and make much of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do this evening. We're a church that believes that we never outgrow the gospel. And that is what each of us most needs this evening. And so we're going to look at the Christmas story, and we're going to see how it helps us understand basic Christianity and the heart of the gospel. Before we do, let me pray and ask the Spirit to come and be near and to help us this evening. Please pray with me. Father, Christmas is wonderful in so many ways. It's a time where we gather with family and with people we love, and it's a time of gifts and celebration. But for others, Christmas is a time where we are reminded of our loneliness. It's a reminder of our loss. It's a reminder of the brokenness within our relationships and even within our own family. And some, even here this evening, they love Christmas but hate the meaning of Christmas. In other words, they find it offensive or even hard to believe that God would come in the flesh and be born of a virgin. Would you remind all of us this evening that we're here and you have brought us here. It's not an accident. And so as we get to times with our families, would you remove all of our distractions, and would you minister to each and every heart in this room through your spirit this evening and make the Christmas story, make it come alive, make it fresh, because we desperately need it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Two things this evening I want us to look at very briefly about Christmas. First, the truth of Christmas. Secondly, the point of Christmas. So the truth of Christmas and the point of Christmas. First, the truth of Christmas. If you look at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, those first couple of verses, you should read that sometime if you're not familiar with the beginning of Luke because he says uh, the purpose of him writing his Gospel, Luke says, is so that we might have certainty in what he is writing that it is 100% true. And he talks about eyewitnesses have witnessed these things, and so these are eyewitness accounts. And if you look at verse 1, chapter 2, Luke, there in your bulletin, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So notice Luke doesn't start off by saying once upon a time in a land far, far away. No, Luke starts with data. He starts with historical records. And remember, eyewitnesses' accounts. It's like Luke is saying here in these first few verses, hey, remember when Augustus uh, took the census and said all of the world should be registered? And remember, that was in the time when Quirinius was governor. It's Luke's way of saying, I'm not making this stuff up. That Jesus is not a metaphor, that these are verifiable historical facts, that Jesus is real, and this happened in space and time. And he continues, verse 8, shepherds, he says, were the first witnesses to this news from the angels that Jesus was coming, God was coming into the world through the person of Christ. There's lots of significance to the shepherds, but one of the things it does is it, again, ties us to the purpose of Luke's gospel. One of the common ways that people dismiss Jesus or Christianity is they say, look, you really can't trust the Bible because it was written by Christians, and these Christians, just like Luke, they had an agenda, they had a movement they were trying to push forward in the world, and so they're ma- they have a bias, and they're making up all of these stories in order to push their movement forward in the world. So that's one of the arguments, but I want you to think for a second. Think for a moment, if you wanted to make something up that would impact the world, that would draw people in, that would be easy to buy into, and at least made sense, you would never choose the shepherds to be your first eyewitnesses. You might be familiar with this, but if you've been around Christmas sermons, but Mary and Joseph were of one of the lowest social classes that you could be a part of in Israel. They were peasants, they were poor, but get this, the shepherds were even below them. In fact, with the exception of leopards, lepers, uh, shepherds were considered, considered the lowest class in all of Israel, so low that they couldn't even give a testimony in court. And so here's the point. If you're wanting to make something up, make something believable, then you would never choose the shepherds to be your eyewitnesses, your first eyewitnesses. It doesn't help your cause. It actually hurts your cause. So the most historically plausible explanation for Luke including the shepherds in this account is that these events really happened in space and time. And here's where I'm going. I realize that Christmas services, that not everyone here believes 
in Jesus and believes Christianity. Many of you are here with family. You come from various backgrounds, and you don't really believe this at all. You're just here because you're here with your family, and that's great. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. But possibly you're saying as you hear this, come on. I mean, you're asking me to believe that God took on flesh and was born of a virgin and came into this world as a human being. Can you really expect me to believe that? And I would say yes. One pastor said it this way, Christians have faith that Christ was born of a virgin. Humanists and atheists believe that the universe had a virgin birth. Choose your miracle. You see, if you say Christianity or Christmas is too supernatural and you find it hard to believe, you need to understand that what you believe is also supernatural, that the world started out of nothing. And the point is that it's not like humanistic or atheistic worldview is totally obvious and the Christians are the weird people that are taking this giant leap of faith. Everyone is making a faith commitment. And you need to realize that you're making a faith commitment too. Here's the bottom line. Jesus is more important than you think he is. And Luke claims as historical fact that God entered the world as a baby 2,000 years ago, and these stories have been delivered to us by eyewitnesses. Think about that. Think about all of the things that we accept every single day through the news and through social media as fact, as eyewitness accounts. We do it all of the time without blinking an eye. These are eyewitness accounts. And here's the point, again, is you take the data and you take the magnitude of Jesus' claim, it is so big that you can't just write him off. And so I'm asking you this evening, if you do not believe in Jesus, would you investigate and explore the truth claims of Christianity. Secondly, the point of Christmas. So what is Christmas all about? Well, of course, it's about the birth of Jesus, but what is the point of the birth of Jesus? And obviously, we could take this in many different directions, but I want to look at one phrase, or really one word. Look at Luke 2, verse 11. Jesus is given the title Savior, And so let's ponder that word just for a second, Savior. What does that assume? If if Jesus is Savior, that assumes some kind of darkness, doesn't it? Assumes some kind of need or your need for help or rescue. If you need a Savior or you need to be rescued, it is because something has gone terribly wrong. Four years after his wife passed away, Gary Lutz took his two boys. They were ages 13 and 9. Gary Lutz was a 20-year experienced caver. And he and his family, when his wife was still alive, they would go to Franklin, West Virginia, to the New Trout Cave. And so he wanted to get his boys together to go where they had always gone growing up as a family. And so They load up and they go to New Trout Cave, he and his boys, thinking this would be a great time for them to reconnect with each other and enjoy time together. 
And everything was fine for the first 45 minutes, and then Gary Lutz did something that he had never done, and he decided to trust his own decision-making and to trust himself rather than his 20 years of caving experience. And he leaves his backpack. His backpack that had an extra light in it and had uh, water and medicine and blankets and food. And so he and his boys, all they have is a hard hat and a headlamp, and they go 10 minutes further into the cave, another 200 feet deeper into the cave, and then all of a sudden, one of the boys, the headlamp and the light goes out. They can't explain it. They can't get it working again. Uh, Two to three minutes later, the other son, his headlamp goes out. And Gary Lutz finds himself saying, I cannot let this happen. Well, 20 minutes later, Gary's headlamp went out too. And if you've ever been in total darkness, if you've ever been to DeSoto Caverns and been in total darkness, there's nothing like it. You can literally not see your hand in front of your face. And so there is no getting out. They cannot see in front of them. They do not know the way out. And they hold on to one another, the three of them. And at this point, day after day, they're starting to experience thirst and hunger and lots of tears and hallucinations. All of that started to settle in. Total darkness, helpless, no way out. Now, five days later, they were rescued. But I want you to think about that picture. Because that's the picture that the Bible gives of humanity, of helpless, in darkness, in need of complete and total rescue. What Gary Lutz and his boys needed was not someone to throw down a map and say, hey, hey, figure it out, here's the exit, you're good. They didn't need more information. You know what they needed? Total rescue. To be more specific, they needed light. And spiritually speaking, that's what the Bible says we need to. The Bible says that because of our sin, we are spiritually dead. And like Gary Lutz and his boys, we are helpless. We are in darkness because of our sin. And we don't need a map. We don't need more self-help books to give, help us be a little bit better and get us home. We don't need more information. Complete and total rescue is what we need. And you see, as wonderful as Christmas is, and I love Christmas, it's my favorite time of the year, but Christmas, you need to understand, also has a sharp edge to it. And the sharp edge of Christmas is that you can't save yourself, that you are someone desperately in need of rescue, that what we need is for someone to shine the light into our darkness and bring us home. And again, I know some of you, maybe you're offended when you hear that. But think about the world. You know this. We look out into the world, what do you see? Darkness. And as you sit here this evening, if we're honest, don't you feel the darkness in your own soul? Don't you feel that you're not enough no matter what you do and how you do it, that you're still not quite enough and you feel the stain of darkness and sin deep within your own soul. We all feel that, don't we? And you know what we do? We often shove it down 
We deny it, we ignore it, and we try to fix ourselves and rescue ourselves. And the good news of Christmas, the reason why we are celebrating tonight, and we've had three services, and the reason why we'll have a service tomorrow at 10 a.m., and I want to invite you to come at 10 a.m., we would love to have you in the morning. The reason why we're doing all of that is because of the good news that God took on flesh in the person of Jesus, and he left the glories of heaven to come down into the dark cave of this earth in order to shine the light into the world, in order to rescue the world and to rescue us. How does he do it? He gives himself for our sins. Jesus becomes our substitute. He lives the life that we could never live. That's why Jesus had to be perfect and sinless. And he dies the death that we deserve on the cross, taking the punishment and the wrath of God for our sin. Christmas is not once upon a time a story happened that shows you how to live a better life. No. Christmas is that God broke into the world because we were so helpless in order to save us. Christmas is Christ the Savior is born. And so the gospel, you see, is that Jesus gives himself for us. Don't miss those two words, for us. Isaiah 9, 6, that famous Christmas passage, for unto us a child is born. Think about our passage, chapter 2 of Luke, verse 11, for unto you this day is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, what makes Christianity and what makes Christmas, such good news. It's not just that Christ was born. That's just news. What makes Christmas good news is that Christ was born for you. Christ died. Not just that he died, he died for you. And he rose again, and he didn't just rise again, he rose again on the third day for you. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. Because think about it, Jesus didn't need just to be born and to suffer and to die because he lacked something. Jesus does all of that for you, for your benefit. And so this baby named Jesus is held out to all of us this evening as a gift. He is a gift that you receive by faith. It's not something that you earn. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. You cannot be too low. You cannot be too broken or weak for this Jesus. But here's the thing. You know what? You can be too big. You can be too proud. Because you want to summarize the Bible in one verse, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So you know what you need this evening? All you need this evening is need. To admit that you need to be rescued and to open yourself up to Jesus and let his grace come pouring into your life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know where you are this evening. 
Maybe you don't know Jesus and you need to believe in Jesus for the very first time, or whether you've been coming to services like this for as long as you can remember, wherever you are, will you humble yourself and will you come and receive Jesus? Again, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, the angel says to all of us tonight, behold, look at the baby in a manger. To you is born the Savior that you desperately need. That's an invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time of year. We confess that as wonderful as this story is, sometimes it's so familiar that we find ourselves just simply going through the motions and being no longer moved by it. Would you move us this evening and tomorrow? Move us by what we have heard Make your mercy and your grace real to our hearts. And if there's someone here this evening that does not know you personally, I pray that you would give them faith to believe. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.